Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. I'm excited to deliver this word today. We've been in this series um, called Cool Summer. And, you know, as the world begins to heat up, there's uh, a lot of different things uh, uh, going on socially, politically, um, and otherwise, man. As the world heats up in the hottest time of the year, these messages are literally meant to revive your spirit. They're meant to renew your soul, man. They're about rest and recovery, man. We want to come into the next season stronger than we've ever been. So we take some time in the summer to get a little rest and we just want to always be refreshed by God's word. Amen. Now, a couple weeks back, I I preached a message about the prophet Elijah. I've done two messages in this series on Elijah about he was one of the greatest prophets of all time. But man, he had moments where he was low. And, and, and literally in a cave, God spoke to him and revived him and refreshed him for his journey and his mission ahead. Today, I kind of want to really stay in that theme of, of being refreshed and renewed, but I found another character in the Bible that found himself in a predicament similar to Elijah, one of my favorite people in all the Bible, King David. Just like Elijah found himself in a cave, King David found himself in a cave. It's funny, people always go to caves when they are depressed. I don't know uh, what's going on in your life today, but you might find yourself in a cave. I promise you, if you're in a dark place today, if you're in a deep place today, if you're in a low place today, we serve the God that will help you find your way out. If you believe that, say amen. And today I want to pick up in Psalms chapter 13. We're going to read an entire chapter of the Bible. If you didn't read your Bible all week, you're about to be able to brag to your friends, hey, I read an entire chapter of the Bible in church today, and we're picking it up. Psalms 13. We're going to read the whole thing. You ready for it? Man, I hope my scholars are ready. I hope hope you're ready to read. Here we go. Psalms 13 reads something like this. How long, O Lord? This is a psalm written by King David himself. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? Look, look on me, David says, and answer. You ever had conversations like that with God? Like, this is a real conversation. He says, look on me and answer. Lord, my God, give me light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Verse five, I love this, verse five and six. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Whew, that's a good place right there to say amen. Man, I'm, I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 again just because I know we read a lot, of, a, a lot of realness between David and God, but let me just read verses 5 and 6 again to refresh your soul. It says, but I will trust 
in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. If the Lord has been good to you, I want you to take about three seconds and give him some praise. Come on. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're taking notes on this message today from Cool Summer, I've entitled it this. Found in a cave. Found in a cave. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. But this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I know that before the earth began to spin on this axis, you knew each and every person that would be watching um, this message today. And God, I pray as people share this message, as people watch this message, it gets to the people that need to hear it the most. May I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that hearts, minds, and ears will be open and receptive to a message that's always going to be about Jesus. And God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this the most, the one that finds themselves in the dark place, the one that finds themselves in a depressed place, the one that finds themselves consumed with worry and anxiety, the person that finds themselves in a cave today. God, let them know Jesus is the only way out. God, I pray these things in Jesus name. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. And one more time before we get into this word, I want you to open your hands like this. And when I count to three, I want you to put it together and keep on doing it and give God praise. Here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity to hear your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I read verses like what I read in Psalms 13, we read the whole chapter, but it literally is only six verses. When I read verses like this, I feel like I'm literally hearing the thoughts of a schizophrenic person. I mean, we go from deep depression and dark despair to in a moment saying, man, I will, God, I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. How do you go from instant sorrow and instant depression to immediate gratification through giving God praise and trust? This is David. I preached on David before in another part of this series when I was talking about free to praise. And this one, one thing I said about David is he was such a passionate individual, man. He was an emotional guy. I love David because, man, he reminds me so much of some of us, man. We can just be some very emotional people. And today, I want to use um, the life of David and the cries of David really as a springboard for this conversation. We get to literally read something uh, that David wrote in a very confusing time, a very trying time, a very uh, depressing time in his life. And when I read this, it literally sounds like he's processing out loud. I, I get that because I'm an individual that does the same thing. I, that's why I have people around me that I can trust. Sometimes, even, even if what you got to say is crazy, sometimes you just got to say it out loud because you got to process the things that you are going through. And we find that um, what David wrote is just as important as where he wrote it. David literally writes this passage in Psalms, most theologians believe he was in a cave. He was in a cave when he wrote this. And we know uh, there were so many times that David was in a cave, but one in particular said that the downtrodden and the discontent, they joined him in the cave. He was a king that was supposed to be living in a palace, but because Saul was chasing him, he found himself in a cave, in a depressed 
place and to truly understand the cave, we got to understand that once again, what David writes in this moment is important, but I think the context and where he wrote this is just as important as what he wrote. And to truly understand the cave, first, let's see how David got to that cave. Well, all you theologians and Bible scholars out there, you already may know this story, but for the person that has never even heard of King David, uh, as I'm talking about him in such a familiar manner. David um, was was a, a one of a lot of sons, man. He would be called the runt of the litter. He was a little shepherd boy, man, that nobody really cared about, nobody ever really thought about. But one day the prophet Samuel comes to town looking for a king to anoint the current king, which is King Saul. King Saul, he, he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. He was the first anointed king of God's people, but he did not want to remain obedient to God. He'd rather make sacrifices than to follow the letter or the word of God. And he, 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 he gets a familiar command from the prophet that we've all heard so many times that obedience is better than sacrifice. Saul wanted to do it his way, not God's way. So God literally strips the anointing from him. He is no longer anointed to be the king and God looks for a new king. And when God looks for a new king, he looks for somebody with his own heart. You've heard it said about David so many times that he is a man after God's own heart. And when the prophet Samuel finds him, he literally pours oil all over his head and he becomes the shepherd boy, becomes the anointed king of Israel. The problem is, the problem is, though he is the anointed king, he is still not in the palace because the current king does not want to give up his spot to the anointed king. So, so, so David, the, the shepherd boy, he proves himself because he wasn't just a shepherd. He was a warrior. And there's a big, ugly giant named Goliath and all the king's men and the king himself were scared of Goliath. But David, with a slingshot, literally takes one shot at the head of Goliath, knocks him out cold, cuts off his head and he becomes the champion of the Israelite people and they begin to sing songs about him. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed tens of thousands, man. And he literally became like a celebrity overnight. So much so Saul was annoyed, man. He was annoyed at this. He's like, who is this little boy who comes out of nowhere killing giants? They singing songs about him. They should be singing songs about me and Saul and his jealousy is enraged with David. He tried to uh, uh, allow him to be a part of the kingdom, but he could not get over his own jealousy. Saul even allows him to marry his daughter, but it's still not enough to make him feel like family because he hates him because he's taking the shine away from him. He, the, the king is literally the hater of, of, of a shepherd boy. It's so crazy. Could you imagine the most powerful person in the nation hating you. It's like, it's, it's literally the equivalent of the president saying, man, I can't stand you and using all his resources to just come and attack a normal civilian. This is what David had to go through. I mean, Saul threw spears at him. David was jumping out a window. I mean, this, this, this thing looked like a straight up movie. The king wanted to kill David because David was getting all the accolades that the king should get and David, scared for his life, he runs and he goes to a cave. He's anointed to be king, but he literally has to live in a cave. 
Could you imagine being called to something, but somebody was standing in the way of your calling? Could you imagine knowing that something is rightfully yours, but somebody will not allow you to have what God wants to give to you? David had great reason to be in a cave, man. Like it wasn't David's fault that he ended up in a cave. Saul wanted him dead, so he had to hide out. And he finds himself in a deep, dark, depressed place in a cave. I just want to acknowledge for the person that finds themselves in a cave today, people end up in caves for various reasons. Everybody in a cave did not put themselves there or did not do something to allow themselves to be there. Some people have very good reasons for being in a cave that is not their fault. I want the person that may find themselves in a deep, dark depression or find themselves with anxiety that finds themselves in that cave space to know, man, there's probably a really good reason that you're in that place. Not trying to take away from what has happened to you. You cannot control what has happened to you, but you can always control how you respond to the things that have happened to you. And for us faith-filled believers out there, we need to be better about not looking down on people when they find themselves in a cave. Because at one point in or, in, or another, on, even, even on this journey of faith, we will all find ourselves in a cave. Let's stop blaming people for the situations that they're in and see people in the situations that they're in. Because at one point or another, we all got good reasons for being in a cave. You see, the thing that I love about the cave, knowing that all humans experience a cave moment, the value in the cave is not what led you there, but what you learned while there. I'm gonna say that again, because I want somebody to get that in their spirit. There is value in a cave, and the value in the cave is not what led you there, but what was learned while there. There are lessons that we must learn while we're in a season of being in a cave. And what I love about this passage more than anything is that it paints a real picture of what believers look like. David was a man after God's own heart, but yet we see that he is depressed. We see that he is worried. We see that he has anxiety. I think so many times we try to paint this picture perfect believer that is always blessed and highly favored. But everything that I read in Psalms 13 all the way up until you get to verse five does not sound like David thought he was blessed and highly favored. He sounds like he has some real issues, so much so as to where he was at a point of contention with God, let me tell you something. Being fake does not make you any more of a real believer than a person going through problems that exposes those things. So, so, so you always want to look like you got it all together and you're the most broken people. That does not make you more of a believer because you look like you don't have anything going on with you. I love the transparency of David in this passage because we see that he has real issues, but God still calls him. A man after his own heart. I mean, I mean, look at this. I mean, there's some things that he says in, in this passage that I don't know that I have ever said. Like, I, I love God, but but like, 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 look at this. Look at Psalms 13, 1 through 4. It says, how long, Lord? You ever been in that place? God, how long you going to have me do this? How long I got to be in this season? This was supposed to be my double portion season. 2020 was supposed to be double, double. All I look like is I got double trouble. 2021 don't look no better. It just looked like a repeat. How long, Lord? 
Will you forget me forever? He literally felt like God forgot about him. God chose him. He anointed, but he felt like God forgot about him. How long will you hide your face from me? He literally thought that God was just not even trying to look in his direction. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? Does this sound like a happy person to you? Anybody ever wrestled with your thoughts? Anybody ever felt real sorrow? How long will my enemies triumph over me? He just felt like, man, I, I keep losing. You ever felt like you just keep losing? He says, look at me and answer. I, I probably will never say that. I'm too scared. I, I feel like a lightning bolts will come out of the sky. Look at me and answer. I'm not going to do that. But David did that. I'm just saying. And he was still a real believer. He says, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Man, this dude was on death's doorstep in the cave. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but man, we all at some point or another have a thought that maybe we should not be here anymore. That does not make you less of a believer. You just have to process those thoughts properly. It says, oh, I will sleep in death. Verse four, he says, my enemies will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. He just felt like, man, I can't, I can't win. And everybody's coming at me. Everybody's attacking me. I feel like a victim. I love the cave because the cave shows us that we will all at one point or another experience what it feels like to be in a low point of our lives. But I love the cave because even in the lowest moments, we find that there is still an opportunity to find God because he's always there. Just because I feel low does not make God any less present in my life. God sometimes uses the cave to let you know that he is there with you. If you find yourself in a cave, never forget you are not alone. You have not been forgotten. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. You can find God in a cave because he's the only one that can lead you out. If you find yourself in a cave today, two things that you should never forget. And the first is this. Caves should cause you to trust. Caves should cause you to trust. Psalms 13 verses 5 and 6. These are the two verses we're going to lean into for the rest of this message. Psalms 13, 5 and 6 says, but I trust, underline that word trust. I trust in your what? Unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. First, underline the word trust. And then I want you to underline for he has been good to me. But I trust in your unfailing love. There, there's people watching today. and You might be upset about the idea that you're in the cave. You might be worried about the fact that you are in a cave. But the truth is God has you in the cave because he knows that it's probably the only place you will actually find him. Some of us will not look for God when everything is good, but we will search desperately for him when everything is going wrong. Could it be that God put you in a cave in order to pay closer attention to him? Say, say well, why? Because if you're in a cave today, you're in a low place. 
People get upset about a low place, but the beauty of a low place is there's only one other direction to look. If I'm on the ground, I only got one way to look, and that is up. Sometimes God has to allow your situation to come down to focus your your direction and attention on the one thing that can help you. If you find yourself in a cave, if you find yourself in a low place today, I want you to look up. You may feel like I have no other options. Let me tell you something. There's no option better than up because that's where God is and he wants to lead you out. When you have reached rock bottom, there is no place else to look but up. And as David processes his feelings out loud in Psalms chapter 13, he stumbles, I love this, he stumbles upon two amazing solutions for the dilemma that he has that provide healing. And I promise you, if they helped David back in his time in 2021, the two things that David finds in the cave can help you. The first thing that he finds and the first thing that he realizes he must do is trust. He complains, oh God, do you even see me? You hear what me? My enemies want to kill me. But, I love but, because verse five says, I trust you must first find trust. Trust in what? A love that never fails. You say, why do you say that? He says, but I trust in what? Your God's unfailing love. You have to trust God's unfailing love because God, because his love cannot fail, you can trust him in all circumstances, in all situations. When you are in the cave, you must trust the unfailing love of God. And so many times, the reason people can't trust God is because they place too much trust in themselves. You say, how do you know that? Because people always get to a place when they're desperate and they say, oh, if you want to do something right, you better do it yourself. That is the worst lie of the enemy that you could ever believe. If you want something done right, you don't have to do it yourself. If you want something done right, you need to trust God because he never fails. Listen, some of us have trusted ourselves too long, myself included. When I can't even trust myself anymore to get the job done, I trust God. Why? Because his love never fails. You can't make your boss promote you. Trust God. He will give you favor with your boss. Why? Because his love never fails. You can't quit addictions on your own. Trust God to deliver you and he will provide the right people in your situation to hold you accountable. Why? Because his love never fails. You can't change your past. Trust God to move forward because he has forgiven you because he has a love that never fails. You can't do it on your own. Trust God because his love never fails. Fails. I can fully trust God because he has a proven track record that his love never fails. This is why I believe what Proverbs says in chapter three, that I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding in all my ways. I will acknowledge him and he will make my path straight. But I want to read to you the part of the verse that people don't talk about. In verse seven, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. Check out verse eight. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Wait, Pastor Terrence, what are you trying to get me to understand? That if I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, this will bring 
health to my body and nourishment to my bones. Oh my goodness. I wish somebody would hear me because I know too many people that have literally allowed ourselves or given ourselves over to physical sickness over our situations because we don't have trust. But the, the word of the Lord tells me that trust in God is even the cure for physical ailments. This is why believers will stand up and make bold declarations like by his stripes. Now I will be healed. I am healed. Why will I be healed? Because I fully trust him to heal me. If I can fully trust God because his love has a proven track record, then I know that literally not my physical, not my mental or my spiritual can ever remain sick or defeated because my trust in him says that it won't. I want you to understand today, don't be the person that literally wills yourself to sickness or thinks yourself to sickness because you don't trust God. No, in Jesus name, I'm healthy. In Jesus name, I'm always good. In Jesus' name, forget what the doctors say. In Jesus' name, I'm going to live in the abundance that he has called me to. Why? Because I trust God to do it. Trust, man. Trust is the key in the cave to knowing that God is always going to show up and show out in my situation. Don't get so caught in your feelings that you make yourself physically sick. Trust that God knows what he's doing in your life and physically, mentally, and spiritually, you submit that anxiety to the trust that you have in God. But you say, well, pastor, how can I trust him? How? You got to do the second thing that David did. You got to remember. You can't just trust. You have to remember. Caves should cause you to remember. Man, I love Psalms 13. Verse six, we first find that we got to trust in his unfailing love. But look at what verse six says. It says, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I wouldn't even be talking about this verse right now if the verse said. For he will. Be good to me. It says for he has been good to me. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. So first, David says, man, I trust God. I, I trust him. Why? Because his love never fails. God does not fail. So I trust him. But why do I trust him? Even though his love never fails, you know why he knows his love never fails? Because he has been good to me. When David was in his feelings, you know what he did? in this cave. You know what he did? I can imagine what he did because it's the same thing I do when I get all up in my feelings and I get in my anxiety. This is what David did. He he, rem he remembered why he trusted God. Why? Because he remembered all the things that God got him through. When you remember what God has done, it causes you to trust him. I could imagine David sitting in that cave and saying, man, you know what? I know I'm sitting here complaining, but like, I, I remember when God allowed me to kill a, a, a bear with my own two hands. You know what? I also remember when I was trying to take care of my sheep and the lion came and, and God allowed me to literally conquer a lion. You know what else I remember? 
I remember when, when all I had was a slingshot with five uh, smooth stones and the whole army was scared and the king was scared and I slung just one rock at the head of that giant and knocked him out when he terrified everybody and cut off his head just as a trophy to show that nobody can overcome me when my God is for me who can be against me. You know what else I remember? I remember when he helped me slay tens of thousands in his name. You know what else I remember? I remember when the king gave me the hand of his daughter because of the excellent work that I was doing. You know what else I remember? I, re I remember that God gave me favor over all my brothers. They came in one by one, but the prophet said no to them and said yes to me because God said that I was the anointed one. You know what else I remember? I remember that God anointed me to be king. So even if I'm in a cave, I don't need a palace to be king because the anointing was never on the place. It was always on the person. And you may be thinking, preacher, that sounds good, but I can't tell you one thing that God has done for me. Therein lies the problem. Therein lies the real problem. That, 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 I've heard so many people make, make a statement like this, like, oh, you, you preach a good game with all that Jesus stuff, but what has God done for me? The reality is too many people give themselves the credit for things that God is doing on a daily basis and wonder why we can't remember what God has done. You can't remember what God has done because you've given yourself the credit for it. It's not you. It's not me. It's never been us. It's always been God. Whether you realize it or not, or whether you admit it or not, he is responsible for waking you up this morning. God is responsible for the breath in your lungs. God is responsible for getting you out of that situation that should have killed you. God is responsible for healing you. You didn't heal yourself. God is responsible for allowing you to even be sitting there in your place or space to watch this message today to be encouraged when you find yourself in a cave. Remember what he has done and trust that if God did it before, he could do it again. If God did it for somebody else, he could do it for you. If you remember all the things that God has done, you will always sing his praise like David and know that he has been good to you. I will trust God when I remember what he has done for me. Listen, you will always trust God when you remember what he has done for you. Stop giving yourself the credit for things that God has done in the past because if he did it before, he'll do it again. I can trust God because I remember what he's done for me. See, finally today, I want you to realize if you're a person out there that finds yourself in a cave if you don't trust and you don't remember, the anxiety and the worry and the depression that you may be facing today is because you're focusing more on the problem in front of you instead of the solution around you. You see, you gotta take your eyes off the cave and focus on the one who can get you out. Because truth be told, no matter what cave 
you found yourself in today, God can get you out. God can get you out. You say, Pastor, man, I, I hear that, but I'm like, like, come on, man, like, like, like for real, it can't, it can't be that simple. Like, I can't find answers in a cave. Like, what, what are you, you, you talking about the life of this man that, that lived years ago that, yeah, maybe he remembered some God, some stuff God did for him and now he trusts him. But like in, in, in 2021, how can I find answers in a cave, man? David found the answer in a cave. And the truth is today, the cave is still the place that we can find answers. You say, Pastor, what are you, what are you talking about? Let me ask you a question. Where did they place the body of Jesus? You know where they placed it? In a cave. But if you go to that cave today, is the body still there? No. But the Bible says if Christ has not raised from the dead, then my preaching is useless. And so is your faith. So how can I find my answer in a cave if when I go to the cave nothing's in the cave therein lies your answer because nothing is in the cave that's the exact answer that you need to have faith because the truth of the matter is that the absence of evidence is the only evidence that I ever need to know that Jesus is alive and well. And when I remember that the cave is empty, I can trust God that he has the power to get me out the cave too. Because if he had the power to raise himself out the cave, I can promise you today, brothers and sisters, he's got the power to raise you up out of the cave that you're into, the empty cave. I can look in it and I can find every answer to know that if my God is out of the cave I can get out to I want somebody to hear me today the answer that you seek just like David is found in a cave and our answer is found in the empty cave or the empty tomb our God Jesus is alive and well and if he can raise himself out of a cave he can raise you out too I don't know who needs to hear this message today. Maybe you find yourself in a cave. I promise you, you're not supposed to stay there. The cave is the place where you're supposed to see it and know my Savior's not here. And if he's not here, I'm not supposed to be here either. You want that, that revelation today? You want that faith today you want that blessed assurance that our God is not dead our God is not in the cave our God is alive all you got to do is receive it Jesus is alive and well no one has found his bones no one has found his body why because he sits at the right hand of the father advocating for you and me to get out of the cave today you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't have to stay in that cave. God can find you in that cave. You can be found in a cave today. And he can change your life, turn everything upside down. You don't have to stay in the cave today. He can get you out. You say, I want out of the cave. Accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not promising you that life will be easy. I'm just promising you some faith and some hope to know that whatever cave you may land in, you don't have to stay there 
because God's children are not meant to be in a cave. Jesus is not in a cave, and neither should we be. If you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, on the count of three, wherever you are, I want you to raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold it up. I can't see it. I'm looking at a camera. But you know what? God can see it. Not only does he see your hand, he sees your heart. You know what he's saying right now? Son, daughter, get out of the cave. My son's not in the cave. You shouldn't be there either. I found you. I know where you are. I've always known where you are. And the beauty of it is I've always been with you. You need to understand and receive the fact that our God is with you. If you, if you got your hand up right now, or even if you don't, you say, man, that's silly. I don't want to put up my hand. Then confess. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he was raised from the dead. That's it. You're saved. Confess and believe. You don't have to live in a cave any longer. I want everybody in the sound of my voice to repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. Not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, you said that prayer today. You are a brand new creation and you don't have to stay in a cave of sin any longer. For Christ died and rose again to give you life and life more abundantly. He got out of that tomb. He got out of that cave to show you that you can live a life resurrected and you don't have to be low, but you can live like him. I also want to say one more prayer before we celebrate because we do celebrate salvation at Cool Church. And if you if you made that decision, man, there should be a number on the screen. You can you can text um, the, the number. Let me see here. Text one eight three three six seven five nine four three zero. Text the word cool fam to that number and we'll make sure, you know, we send you some cool stuff and all that. We want to get connected with you and we're proud of the the salvation decision that you made today. But you say, man, I, I'm been a believer, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm good, but I'm, I'm, I'm in a cave, man. Let's, let me say one more prayer for you. The person that's depressed, the person going through anxiety, that you know Jesus. You're like David, man. Like, you just, man, I'm just having a moment right now. And I just, I need some strength and encouragement while I'm in this cave. I, 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 I do trust God. Oh, I'm going to pray that you remember all that he's done for you so that you can get out. Father God, I pray right now for the person that finds himself in a cave God, I pray that they would remember. God, give them, give them a moment. God, they believe in you. They love you. But God, help them remember that they don't have to live in depression. They don't have to live in anxiety. They don't have to live in fear. They don't have to worry, God, because you are for them. So it does not matter who is against them, God. Let them know that even when they're low, all they got to do is look up because you've always been there. You've never left them. You've never forsaken them. God, help them get out of the cave today and move forward into a glorious future in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that really blessed somebody. And family is something we always do. We celebrate salvation at Cool Church. So I can't open up the ceiling and show you. If you got saved today, man, I want you to see what celebration looks like. So, you know, start hitting those hearts if you're in the chat. Start hitting those likes, all that stuff that we always do. Start putting those little emojis up. And I'm about to clap, make some noise in your home for all those that accepted Jesus. Here we go. One, two, three. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We celebrate you. We love you. And you are family. 
not just a part of the cool family, but man, you're a part of the family of heaven. And that's what matters most because we're here to build strong families and build strong futures. Amen. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. I'm going to say it again. If you miss out in the month of August, it's on you. Read my lips. We are meeting in person every Sunday in August. In Jesus' name, amen. We love y'all so much. Hey, resource me. Let me bless you before you go, fam. Father God, I thank you for the greatest people in all the world, the people of Cool Church. Bless them as they rise up, as they lie down, as they go out, as they come in their labor and their leisure. God, surround them with your presence. And God, I pray that this week of their life will be the best week of their life and bring them safely next week when we meet in person again in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all, fam. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you've heard, please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.